Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation podcast. Hello and welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation, where our experts bring you fresh ideas and new perspectives on how consumers eat, drink, shop, groom and think. I'm Matthew Crabb, Asia-Pacific Trends Director here at Mintel, based in Malaysia and working on developing our consumer trends and drivers and how they reflect what consumers want and why. Today, I'm joined by Richard in the UK, Stephanie in the US, and Top in Thailand. In that alphabetical order, please briefly introduce yourselves and to what you do at Mintel. Evening, Matthew. Uh, Richard here. I'm the Senior Trends Consultant at Mintel, so I'm working on custom projects for our clients, anything involving futurology, macro, and consumer trends. Hi, Matthew. I'm Stephanie Matucci. I'm Associate Director of Food Science based here in the U.S., um, so I cover topics related to food, health, nutrition, food ingredients, um, you name it. Hi, Matt. Uh, thanks for having me here today. My name is Top Pompila Mitampitat. I'm a senior beauty and personal canvas based in Bangkok, Thailand. I'm mainly responsible for Thai consumer reports, but I'm also write topical insight pieces for Asia Pacific as well regarding beauty. Thanks, guys. Well, welcome to the conversation. Um, so today we're talking about healthy aging. Now, back in July this year, a University of Washington study predicted that by 2100, uh, the world's population could be 2 billion people less than it is now. Not only that, but populations will get significantly older as work, working populations shrink. So this brings into sharp focus the need for uh, help to allow people to live healthier lives into older age. So with such big changes expected in populations, it makes sense to think first about what that will mean for the societies we live in. So what are the wider societal changes that will need to be addressed uh, to deal with an aging population and the shrinking uh, working age population? Richard, over to you for your thoughts. Hi, yeah. Um, well, just a little caveat around work. I mean, more seniors are working, um, particularly here in Europe, which I like to call the kind of epicenter of aging. I think UK, we're getting close to almost a fifth of seniors are working. Um, but we'll come back to that later in the conversation. So, yeah, this aging population is clearly creating a growing dependency ratio. You know, that's the proportion of people working against those who aren't working. Again, in Europe at the moment, it's about uh, one for every four. If we look at as far as something like 2050, is going to be two people, uh, you know, for every four. So that is creating lots of pressure. One thing people always talk about in relation to aging populations and work, of course, is automation, and that's true. Um, there's lots of MIT studies out there sort of talking about, you know, the proportion of robots to workers goes up uh, proportionally to the aging population. So that is going to happen. Maybe rather less spectacularly, I think we have to think about migration as well. An aging population is going to create more migration. So, again, Europe, probably the oldest uh, region in the world in terms of the median age so you're going to get a lot of flows of migrants from the world's younger regions southeast asia africa middle east definitely coming into places like europe despite what your politicians might tell you that is going to be a big driver of migration i guess the other thing there's loads of positive things we'll talk about but with aging comes a lot of health challenges as well um not just in terms of physical mobility, but mental well-being as well. Now, that's mm -hmm. something else we'll talk about. But that's, I think, you know, the positive way to look about that, look at that is that's a huge driver for innovation, digital innovation, tech innovation, um, and you know, this is a wealthy market um, out to receive that as well. So it's going to have huge impacts. Thanks for that. 
Um, so Stephanie, what's the, the view from North America? Well, I, I wanted to add on to what Richard was saying about um, automation, and that's something that we've talked about for a while, anticipating that taking off and, and really seeing that grow as we uh, see the workforce shrinking. But it's something that's already starting to be discussed a lot more with COVID going on, actually. You know, the need for social distancing within facilities. Um, I'm thinking here in the U.S. a lot of times with meatpacking plants, um, meat, meat processing facilities, um, you know, we're, we've seen a lot of outbreaks from COVID related to the quick, close working conditions those um, those employees have. Uh, so the need for automation to to make it safer for those employees to work, um, but also maybe a way to address some of the aging um, population. Interesting. Now, top Thailand is one of the fastest aging uh, societies in uh, Asia at the moment. Uh, what's the the societal change likely to 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 be there? Um, yeah, you, you are right on that. Uh, I think we uh, didn't prepare uh, on the aging society very well. Now, the number one life priority for the seniors is actually financial concern. Uh, many seniors live under financial stress, mainly because they didn't plan and because of the increased longevity, uh, they didn't expect to live this, this long. So there has been uh, a lot of talks about uh, quality of life after retirement mm-hmm. and financial dependence on their children as well. So, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point about financial dependence. I mean, that's that's a big topic in itself, uh, you know, looking to think about pensions, long-term uh, financing. Um and I think that, you know, that's one of the many things that we think about. Perhaps one of the things that we don't think about so much is as we get older, our needs change, including what, when, and how much we eat. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you know, how will our eating habits need to change and nutritional needs change as more of, li- uh, you know, we live into our maybe perhaps 90s, even 100s. Stephanie, yeah. you're the, the food scientist. Maybe yeah, yeah. well, I, I think there's two key distinctions to make. So that we're talking about healthy aging for younger, for consumers in general. But what does that mean for a 90-year-old, a 100-year-old, where they're already well into their aging process, um, versus middle-aged consumers who still have some room to correct mistakes and and make nutritional changes to help them age healthier and combat some of these chronic diseases that are so um, challenging and so limiting when you get into your your senior age group. Um, You know, and if we're talking about your (laughs) Twenty one hundred. Uh, the the old people of that that age. It's going to be my daughter, who is a year old right now. She'll be almost. She'll be in her eighties, right? So, what what kind of healthy age you? Pro- oh, she's crying in the background right now. She's really demanding that we provide some solutions for her. <laughs> Um, but th- but thinking forward, you know, how can we target those middle-aged consumers and, and make them think about what they need for healthy aging? Um, you know, it's not too early for millennials to start thinking about this, to change their diets and their lifestyles, to eat healthier. Um, incorporating those nutrients that are so important for brain health, for eye health, for heart health, um, and, and make those lifestyle changes now uh, in order to age healthier later on. Mm. And then when it comes to seniors, um, for those those consumers, you know, in their 80s, 90s, and 100s even, um, looking at some of those physiological changes that happen as we age, for instance, um, nutrients from food are absorbed differently due to slower gastric emptying um, in your stomach and um, there are some physical and cognitive limitations that can occur too in terms of chewing and swallowing, as well as a loss of taste or smell. Um, so all these factors need to be considered too when developing for the senior demographic specifically. 
That's interesting. So the, 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 whole, the taste and smell thing is, uh, so what, we're going to lose our sense of taste and smell? It's, I mean, it starts to diminish as we age. And that's also, I mean, who knows what will happen with COVID too. That's been a side effect of that disease is loss of taste and smell. So mm. thinking about developing products that are enjoyable, enjoyment is such a huge part of eating. You know, it's not, it's not just nourishment. If it was, then we'd all be happy with just you know, uh, one of those ready meal smoothie, uh, like a, a Soylent, for example. But, it, but we all know that eating is so much more than that. And that's mm. the, a huge factor to, to consider. Um, I think of my own grandmother who was, who was in a nursing home. And I remember sitting there and she had dementia. So she wasn't completely lucid when we were, when we were sitting with her. But in the one moment of clarity, she looked down at her plate of food that was pretty mushy and unpalatable. And she just said, this doesn't look very good. <laughs> so even, you know, even though she needed the, the nourishment, you know, it's, it's still got to be palatable um, and, and look appetizing, which is a real challenge. Yeah. Richard, did you want to say something? Oh, it's just a couple of things. Yeah. The points you're making around the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. here in Europe, I, I haven't really yet seen necessarily sort of help your eating, but people definitely taking a longer term view mm -hmm. uh, in terms of reducing vices, you know, the, the amount of people quitting smoking and uh, quitting reducing drinking here is 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 huge it's, it's really taking off as a result so i think that longer term view of healthy aging that's definitely seems to be people are thinking more about their longevity yeah. i think as a result yep. of this i guess the other point i was you know i started off by saying more and more seniors are actually working even though the workforce itself is is diminishing and i guess um they're going to need you made the point obviously they have different dietary requirements but all those things we see you know there's energy and vitality required by workers and that kind of nutritional need i guess is you can have a slightly bigger proportion than you would have had before we saw that trend yeah it's a great point one of the other things in asia pacific we have not only sort of fast aging populations but also um you know problem with obesity um so top i mean you know in terms of changes that you're seeing in terms consumer behavior both amongst younger people and older people are you seeing you know people taking on uh, different diets uh, in order to sort of improve their health well i'll start off with a disclaimer i'm not a food expert <laughs> but, but there has been a lot of talks about um uh how japanese uh consumers are living and consuming uh because uh, Japan is the, has the largest senior population in the world right now. Yeah. And there has been a lot of studies to unlock on their secret of uh, longevity. And there has been a lot of uh, examination on, for example, lifestyle. Uh, they live in pretty stressful lifestyles. They're working hours or longer and everything. So... Uh, everything seems to point to uh, their diet and what they are eating to be the secret of their longevity. Mm. And many um, study points that, uh, you know, they uh, consume more heavily on fish and lower yep. consumption on red meat. And there's, mm. there's a lot of probiotic in their diets, like fermented uh, food, like miso, natto, or pickles. And of course, the famous uh, and uh, highly antioxidant green tea. So, for somebody who isn't a food expert, you sound very authoritative. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, I agree with I agree one hundred percent with everything you said. So you, you got it just right. <laughs> so, top coming back to your area of expertise. So, aging takes its toll on our bodies, but we still want to feel good about ourselves and and look good. Um, which begs the question: you know, what are going to be the beauty needs uh, and the personal care needs? 
needs that uh, are going to uh, be prevalent in the future, especially as population age, uh, and and what can brands could be providing us uh, in terms of products? Right. So, speaking of aging, I guess the most obvious uh, beauty category is actually anti-aging skincare. Mm. Uh, in Japan, uh, the anti-aging skincare market is already over 600 billion Japanese yen already, so it's a very big market. Wow. Yeah, but the biggest issue that I see uh, is how the industry frames this segment, as you heard, is called anti-aging. So it's implying that the aging can be prevented or reversed, Mm. but the study that we did just show that the seniors are actually ex- accepting the aging stage that they are in. Uh, they already enjoy being uh, at their age. So to have the term anti-aging become less relevant. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There has to be a shift on, you know, like from a traditional anti-aging to more like positive or like pro-aging and the brand has to like yeah. um adjust to embrace this value. I was going to share one of my favorite quotes from Lauren Bacall, who is a, an actress uh, here. She said, I think your whole life shows in your face and you should be proud of that. And I really <laughs> love that idea of anti-aging. All, all those wrinkles and things are show what you've been through and, and everything that you've seen and done. So, yeah, exactly. so as, as well as developing new products, perhaps it's also thinking about um, how we market those products and, and talk about uh, aging in a sense, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I think to go along with uh, what we discussed so far on the importance of health, uh, there has been a lot of uh, bridging between beauty and health as well. Because uh, as health become like number one um, priority for the seniors, then you cannot just simply force uh, them to think about beauty without addressing the obvious. So, uh for example, in, in China, Chinese consumers already prefer uh, beauty supplement over uh, traditional anti-aging cream. Hmm. Richard, did you want to add something to that? I was just inspired by Stephanie uh, quoting Lauren Bacall, which reminded me of a, another another quote from uh, from May Musk. You know, and she's part of the uh, Cover Girl campaign, and she's described as a seventy one year old it girl. And she says, "They say at a certain age you just stop caring. I wonder what age that is." So I think the aesthetics and the positioning around this is also really important as well, especially mm. as I said, you know, when you consider that a lot of seniors are you know still working, as I mentioned. That it's, it's the it's the demographic where divorce is really growing. So, you know, people want to look good. They want to feel confident, whether that's in an employment sense. Um, I guess they want to look good on screen in their jobs now. Um, and, you know, they want to be competitive in the dating marketplace as well. So the, sort of the aesthetics around this is, are, are obviously really important in beauty as well, not just mm. the sort of anti-aging um, health side of it. So it sounds like the, you know, that there are already products on the markets. Um, and well, as you, uh, alluded to already, Richard. You know, you've got robots coming into the workforce, but you also got work robots coming into the the care system uh, for for elderly people. Um, but what kind of products 
don't exist, do you think? Well, I think tech is crucial. I always quote uh, Gil Pratt as the CEO of the Toyota Research Institute. He basically says the role of technology is to make quality of life better as, mm. as people age. And obviously, everything that comes on the market in tech is positioned to super busy young urbanites, and it's the convenience factor. But it's actually this demographic we're talking about today who are really creating the market for it. So... Um, we talked there are obviously going to be health challenges about people having mobility problems people having memory issues but um innovation and products can actually help that you know help people stay in their own homes for as long as possible give them that independence so i really think all the smart home technology we talk about all the iot technology about this is the market for that you know mm-hmm. and if you're still talking about tech you know the reason we're trying to create driverless cars again isn't for you know the younger um, car hire generation it's for so people can have better quality of life and you know have mobility i mean that's the reason they're being trialed in things like florida retirement communities so you know body mobility suits driverless cars smart homes this is the market for all of that so it's really going to drive it and these are also the people not everyone but these people are more like to have the budget to pay for this as well so mm-hmm. i think it's a massive driver of technological innovation stephanie what about food what, what food products don't exist that should for older people yeah I, um, I think it's really inspirational to look at japan and see some of the products that they've launched on the market for for those older consumers um if you look at um th- thinking about um how they've shifted from targeting infants you know baby food formulas um to a adapting those to seniors. So um, I should step back a little bit. So if you look at baby food, <laughs> it's it's aged in different uh, stages for how mushy and how soft and how much an infant can take. So there's different age numbers associated with that. Um, the brand QP has actually done that for their senior food too, because as we age, we start to lose ability to, in terms of chewing and mobility and swallowing. And so these products are also graded in a sense where it's um, you know most difficult to eat to increase easier to to chew and swallow and some points just being able to dissolve in your mouth um, instantly. So I think that's a really interesting example of how they've taken a different demographic and looking at similar needs in terms of um, how you how you eat that and then marketing it in the same way. So that's um, interesting. So you almost yeah. like it got a, a product that's staged to different yeah, stages yep, of aging. Yeah, it looks like, you know, baby food pouches, but it's obviously right. um, for, for seniors. So also for the, I mean, for the beauty uh uh, category. I mean, one of the things that struck me is that as you get older, your skin needs more care, doesn't it? You know, sort of, it gets saggier and, and wrinklier and so on. But yet, we don't really see products, or I haven't seen many products coming out aimed at different ages of skin. Top. I mean, is that something that you see a potential market for, or are you already seeing uh, products entering that kind of space? I, I think. Um the way the beauty industry operated was kind of geared towards what you just described on, you know, like trying to segment consumer into like age groups. But then, um, as I mentioned before, that the trends uh, shift and the age and age group become less relevant. So it's more about, you know, like what uh, stage of skin problems that you are in. I think mm-hmm. now, uh, if anything, what I'm not seeing is that because uh, uh, the emotional well-being improvement mm-hmm. aspect of it. Because as everyone mentioned, we have uh, tons of technology to help us. Uh, if you want to 
So with the extreme makeover, there is a uh, plastic surgery to help you improve and change. But uh, at the end, uh, we want to, as you mentioned, like feel good and uh, not only look good, but feel good as well. So uh, I haven't seen a lot of um, like emotional uh, mood enhancing beauty products as yet. That's interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, again, I suppose if one of the problems we're talking about older people is we tend to lump them into sort of one kind of image, uh, you know, perhaps shaped by our grandparents' generation. We think of them uh, as being sort of frail, sort of, uh, you know, perhaps a bit doddery or whatever. But um, hopefully medical science progressing along with the rest of us uh, as we, as a, as a generation get older, hopefully we'll sort of be more active and, uh, and so on into later in life. Uh, so do we need to rethink entirely our image of, of aging and uh, age groups? I'm going to throw that one open. Well, I was, I was, when you're talking about uh, grandparents, I immediately started thinking of my own. And I don't think my grandfather ever felt defined himself as old. He lived to be almost 95. And he'd, he'd to, he lived in a very rural area. We'd drive to church every week. And he'd park in the back part of the parking lot because he wanted to let the old people of the church park near the front door. <laughs> he was one of the oldest members of that church. <laughs> but he never saw himself as, you know, the eldest, the oldest person there. Um, and I think that is probably some of his secret to his success of, of mm. longevity. So he was always learning, always, always curious, always making friends with younger people, um, you know, wanted to just get the most out of life no matter where he was. Sure, he had aches and pains and slowed him down and he couldn't do everything he wanted to do. But, you know, that didn't stop him. Um, and, and so that's maybe some of the things to talk about. And, and no matter what your chronological age is, how to address those things that are slowing you down. So mobility, eyesight, um, mind, your mind, both in terms of cognition as well as mood um, mm. and being able to help consumers get through those and, and give technology to help assist through some of those sticky points or if it's food or nutrition or supplements or medications. Um, those are, I think the areas to really, that are the sticky points, you know? Yeah. I think we all, uh, everyone's guilty of, you know, uh, using stereotypes about, about seniors and aging. I always like to tell a cautionary tale about this from, uh, from France. It's a story which is quite famous over here. So basically back in the mid sixties in this, in this town in France, there was a, a guy, a lawyer who persuaded his 90 year old neighbor called Jean-Louis Calmart. He said, he said, look, you know, you've not got long to go. Um, you know, I'll give you two and a half thousand francs every month and, um, I'll get your apartment when you die. It's like, okay, deal. Um, 30 years later, he's dead. Uh, and she lives another couple of years to be the world's oldest woman. I think she lived to 122. And uh, she didn't, she, near, she got a couple more years of longevity because she stopped smoking and stopped eating sweets at 120 or something. She gave right. another couple of years. So I think we really underestimate. I think it's a good story of how, you know, particularly like younger marketers and things just really ignore this demographic at their mm -hmm. peril. I mean, in mm -hmm. terms of why it's important, I mean, there's a lot of moral considerations, you know, which I, I think we've sort of alluded to in terms of care and things. But this is a, this generation's rich, you know, not all of them. But, you know, these are the people who've amassed wealth through property and things. Um, and yet we are all as market researchers, uh, marketers, you know, fixated with, you know, younger millennials. Well, the reality is this is the group that's got you know, much more disposable yeah. income. Mm. Uh, you know, they're, 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 you know, see studies saying they're going to account for half the uh, urban 
consumption in the next sort of 30 years in places like North America and Western Europe. So they've got money. And but Richard, if we look at the next government. 30 years, in 30 years, those millennials will be starting to at the very at the beginning of their aging journey. You know, they're going to be <laughs> the 60-year-olds, 70-year-olds <laughs> in 30 years. So, um, you know, keep keep that in mind, too. Yeah, definitely. But I guess that, that um, well, it's very nice of you to say we, <laughs> Stephanie, but, uh, you know, we we are not going to be uh, as wealthy as the group we have now. So I think um, something else that I've seen a lot interesting is, um, you know, we, we're very fixated when it comes to issues around sustainability with uh, mm-hmm. young consumers and they are the most vocal, but so the research I've seen uh, in Europe when it comes to who's most active or who has the most impact in terms of uh, whether it's recycling or whether it's you know using renewable energy to you know fuel your home or investing in big kind of transport or, or uh, greener home innovations is this demographic as well so I think mm-hmm. there's definitely a need to try and get them to buy into the idea of that green legacy I think that's something we'll see a lot of uh, activity around as well that's interesting so top you know, in terms of Thailand or Asia in general, do you think traditional views of aging are changing? Yeah, and especially when I'm working in beauty industry, uh, the biggest stereotype that I have on aging is actually that it's threatening, that it's uh, undesirable, and it's nothing that, you know, someone looks forward to. But uh, the truth is, is inevitable everyone <laughs> eventually has to get old yeah and i think now uh the aging population will you know uh, is a growing segment then the conversation kind of shifts that you know now that you know what what's wrong about being old and we I guess we have to find a positive light on uh, being all instead of putting it in the negative light. Interesting. So, so really, I mean, uh, again, it's a shift in attitudes that we're seeing globally, I suppose. Um, it's interesting how it's playing out differently in different cultures as well. Well, that, unfortunately, is all we've got time for today. Um, thank you, Richard, Stephanie, Top, for your time today. Um, if you want to know more about Mintel, who we are and what we do, head over to Mintel.com and follow us on social media. We're on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And check out our blog for even more insights from our analysts thank you for listening please make sure you subscribe rate and review this podcast if you like what you've heard today spread the word and we'll catch you next week for a new episode of the little conversation thanks everybody thanks everybody